Good morning. God bless you. You ready to receive? Come expecting today? All right. Why don't you join with me while we pray? Father, we just welcome you here. We welcome your Holy Spirit here. Father, we welcome uh, your anointing and your power here, Lord God. I pray that, Father, that your word would go forth and it would penetrate our hearts and our minds. Lord, that you'd give us uh, a hearing ear and an understanding heart this morning. Father, uh, and that we would not just be hearers of your word, Father, but we would hear the word and act and respond to the word. We ask this in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. Amen, amen, amen. We're going to be in 2 Kings uh, chapter 6 and also in Second um, uh, Peter chapter 1 this morning. So if you've got a Bible and you want to turn there, uh, you're welcome to. As you're turning, I want to just give you a little update. Uh, some of you were here a couple of weeks ago and I mentioned that uh, I want to make sure that you hear it from us and not through the rumor mill that uh, Calvary Chapel in Albuquerque, Skip Isaac and uh, Calvary was, they were thinking about uh, purchasing this property and uh, keeping the school. And uh, since that time, they, um, you know, I'm, I'm not sure exactly why, but uh, it's not going to work for them at this time, at this point in time. Uh, however, our school will continue, the school will continue on for this next school year. So we, Santa Fe still has a Christian school for another year. Amen? And then, did I talk to you guys about Franklin Graham? Did I tell you this or not? Okay, so um, Brian Allery, uh, who is a pastor of Passion Church in uh, Albuquerque, a good friend of mine, pastor friend of mine, um, said that uh, he is uh, the Graham, Billy Graham uh, coordinator for the state of New Mexico. And uh, the Graham organization, you know, we showed uh, last year, uh, actually in the summer on our picnic, the days of our picnic, we showed the My Hope series videos. And I think there were three or four of those that we showed. There's a new one that's coming out uh, this year, November the 8th. We'll show that here in church. But... Uh, the Graham, uh, after evangelizing the world, uh, they feel like they need to come back and do a work in America. And so Franklin Graham had a vision that he should visit every capital city, every capital city in America, okay? And so they have asked me to be the coordinator, prayer coordinator for Santa Fe uh, to organize that. And so... Um, It's quite an honor. I'm proud to do it. Um, And so this is what it really consists of. And it's been part, you know, part of my heart, my passion for years is that they believe, and I believe too, that we're on the same page here, that if pastors of capital cities would come together for a time of prayer and fellowship and pray for the revival of the capital cities, that that would trickle down, that would fall down to the nation. And you know that Santa Fe, elevation-wise, is the highest capital city in America. At 7,000 feet, we're higher than uh, Denver, the mile-high city. Um, But I have always felt that, uh, you know, I mean, just since I've been here, that God was going to do a work in the oldest capital city in America and he was going to do a bring out a, a break out a great revival. And because we are at the top of the hill, 
that that revival would flow down to the nations, okay? And so uh, it's going to start with pastors, but you're going to be a part of it as well. All of you, every one of you are going to have a part in this. And I'm going to talk about that today. So, um, you know, I, I can't, I've told this story before, but I, it just, it's just so strong on my heart with today's message. And I'm going to just kind of, I've been, you know, shared with you a couple of weeks ago, a Francis Chan message uh, that just was on my heart. And this is just coming, same thing on the heels of that. Uh, but uh, many, many years ago, um, there's an island off of the coast of the south or the western coast of Scotland called Iona. In fact, there's a band name, a very popular band named Iona back in the 80s, 80s and 90s. I think they were more popular. Uh, haven't heard much of them lately. But there were a group of missionaries, uh, this is several hundred years ago, that went from Scotland to this island west of Scotland called Iona. And when these missionaries got there, the first thing that they did, so they traveled across the sea, is they pulled their boats ashore and set them on fire. That's how committed they were. They were there was no going back. And as Christians, we need to be the same way. I mean, when we come to Jesus, there's a lot of things that this world has to offer. There's a lot of beauty in this world. And sometimes we can get distracted by the things of this world, by life, by jobs, by children, by education, by hurts, by circumstances. All of these things can affect us. But we have to keep, not Jesus, not on the back burner, but he's got to be on the front burner of our life. Amen? All right, so having said that, I'm going to start in 2 Kings chapter 6, and then, uh, then I'm going to tie this in with uh, 2 Peter uh, chapter 1 in just a moment. It says, the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. And the man of God sent word to the king of Israel and said, beware passing that place because the Arameans are going to be down there. And so the king of Israel checked out the place indicated by the man of God. This is Elisha. And by the way, if you don't know the story of Elisha, some of you may, some of you may not. Let me just stop here and just kind of really quickly bring, bring you up to speed so we're all on the same page. Elijah, Elijah was a, was a great, great prophet in the Old Testament. And Elisha uh, sees him one day. And uh, Elijah comes up to Elisha, and Elisha's plowing the field. And Elijah says, I want you to follow me. And uh, he, like the missionaries that went to Iona, he was plowing a field with a plow and some oxen. And immediately, he offered the oxen for a sacrifice, took the wooden plow, built a fire, and offers the oxen on the sacrifice. And before he dies, before, well, Elijah didn't die. He was actually caught up into heaven. But before he was caught up, Elisha said, I have one request. I want a double portion of your spirit. And he said, you've asked a hard thing. But he said, I'll tell you this. If you, if you see me when I'm, when I'm caught up, if you see me, you'll receive a double portion of my, my spirit. Well, you know how easy it is, as I mentioned earlier, to get just, you know, 
focused on something else. I mean, there are a thousand things that could have distracted Elisha from watching Elijah be ta being taken up into heaven. I mean, he watched him intently. He didn't take his eyes off of him. And all the other prophets around were saying, it was like this was known in the school of the prophets, hey, Elijah's getting ready to go. And, so he, and they're telling Elisha that. He says, yes, I know. Just kind of like, leave me alone. Don't distract me. I'm, I'm focused. I've got my eyes on Elijah. And uh, all of a sudden, you know, here comes the chariots of God. The chariots of God and Israel and the fire of God comes. And Elisha says, you know, my father, my father, I see it. I see it. And uh, I think he even grabs his cloak and... Uh, he receives that double, that double portion. So what we're talking about today, this story is about Elisha. And so he's telling the king, he says, beware. You know, he says, when you go past a certain canyon or, or through a certain valley, there's going to be an ambush set up for you. And so the king of Israel checked on one place indicated by the man of God. And time and time again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. And this enraged the king of Aram. And he summoned his officers and demanded them, tell me which one of us is on the side of the king of Israel. None of us, my lord, the king, said one of the officers, but Elisha, the prophet, who is in Israel. Now just think about this. I mean, this is another nation. Fame, his fame had spread beyond the borders of Israel, and even other nations know about the fame and the power of this prophet. He says, but Elisha the prophet is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words that you speak in your bedroom. Go find out where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men to capture him. The report came back, he is in Dothan. And he sent horses and chariots and strong, a strong force there, and they went by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God got up, and went out early in the morning, an army of horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Notice that peace, that peace that he's got in his heart. He said, and Elisha, Elisha, Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, that he may see. And then, the Lord opened the eyes of the servant, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire. So those that had surrounded Elisha had been surrounded by God's army, horses and chariots of fire. I'm not going to read anymore, but I'll just tell you the bottom line was that Elisha prayed and caused that entire army to become blind and he led them into the city, into the king, into Samaria. And the king says, what should I do? Should I put them to death? And Elisha said, no, no, don't put them to death. Give them food and give them water and uh, let them go home. Let them go home and tell about what God has done here in Israel, that there is a prophet in Israel. And so as I thought about that and I read that scripture, and this is kind of how I've been praying for you this week, uh, you know, he says, and Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, that he may see. And that's been my prayer for you this week. God, open their eyes that they may see.
okay? So um, this week has been an interesting week for me. Uh, we've been up, uh, we have some property up in Angel Fire. We've been surveying uh, property up there, and I got to go, uh, Sal V. Hill. Where, where are you, Sal? Back there in the back. Sal's one of our deacons, a great surveyor if you need a surveyor. Uh, but he sent one of the men, one of his employees, to go up. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I'm always interested. I'm fascinated by how things work. And, uh, you know, always interested in just different things. I don't care what it is. Uh, so they set up, this is how this works. You set up like what's called, I believe it's called a master control that gets a satellite signal. And, of course, you've got information that you, you know, pre-program this with. And then you go out and with like a handheld GPS, and um, Paul was his name, and Paul was telling me, he says, this is going to get us within 200 feet of where we need to be. And so we go out, and we're just like, I'm stumbling around, and Jason's with me, and we're just out there. It's like, you know, I mean, we're on, you know, we're, we're, we're like walking over miles. We're not talking about just a few feet. I mean, we're walking and driving miles to get to this place. And uh, so he's got the GPS, and he says, well, we're with it. We're looking for a needle in a haystack. We're looking for a piece of pipe that sticks out of the ground about this big, and it's about this big around. And, and there's branches and brush and trees and down trees and everything. And so he says, well, it's within 200 feet of, of here, of this point right here. So we spread out. We start walking around, and we're looking, and we're looking. And, you know, sure enough, uh, you know, Paul finds one point, and uh, I didn't find anything. And I'm kind of thinking, this is like fishing. I don't want, you know, Paul to outfish me. At least, I want to find at least one point. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I'm looking, and, you know, I, he says within 200 feet. And I'm really looking hard because, you know, I, I want to find a point. And then he finds another other point and I find nothing and um, you know I, you know it's just kind of like you know I, I'm thinking you know this is really kind of like this is how this is really like how life is you know that master control center is kind of like kind of like God and the word of God and you know where to go is this GPS that tells you you know go here 200 feet or and then, you know, as you entered more information into the master control, we got it down to 100 feet, and then we got it down to 20 feet. The more information that we put in, the more we were able to narrow it down. And, and guys, I'm going to just tell you that life is like that. Life is just exactly like that because sometimes we think we're on the right course, but we can be 300 or 200 or 100 feet off, and we got to go back to the GPS and back to the control center and say, God, you know, what is the, the real true information here that I need? And uh, I believe that most of you are here today because you have a desire to seek God, because you love God. And I believe that, I honestly believe this about you, that, that most of you are saying in your heart, God, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. I do, I, if you'll just tell me what to do, I believe that's the heart of most of the people in this room this morning. God, just tell me what to do, and I'll do it. Well, in Second uh, Peter chapter 1, uh, I'm going to give you the answer to that question that you're asking in your heart. Second Peter chapter 1, it says, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle. I, I love the way that he says that. Because, you know, he could have started off so differently 
He could have started off, Simon Peter, the one that got out of the boat when the other 11 stayed in. Or he could have started out, Simon Peter, you know, the one that said that he would die with the Lord. Or Simon Peter, one of Jesus' favorite. You know, it was uh, me, Simon Peter, that, that God called up, or that Jesus says, let's go into the other room. It was Simon and, and James and John. It was kind of like that core group of disciples. He could have started out with, you know, so many different ways, but he starts out as a servant. I mean, I see the humility in this. I mean, I see, I see guys that, you know, that have, you know, uh, I mean, they've, they've, they've got more, so much education, and I'm not, certainly not against education, but it's almost like, you know, that is what's out front. I mean, they got more degrees than a thermometer. You know, it's just like, you know, and, and they're proud of it. And they want to make sure that you know, you know, that they have it. But Simon, Peter right here, he says, a servant and apostle to Jesus Christ or of Jesus Christ. To those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours. Notice that. That your faith and their faith, all of the apostles, all of the disciples. He says, it's an equal faith, that we have an equal faith uh, and an equal standing with ours by righteousness of God and, uh, and Savior, Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine powers, this is talking about His Holy Spirit. We've been through this whole series on the Holy Spirit. His divine power or His Holy Spirit has granted to us all things, all things, not just some things, but His Holy Spirit has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence by which He granted to us His precious and very great promises so that through them, through these promises, you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in this world because of sinful desire. We still have this, even though we're believers, we still have this sinful desire and this battle is still, you know, uh, waging and raging within us. He says, for this very reason, make every effort. You see that, you know, that, that there's God's part and there's our part. And he's saying, because of this, because that God has given you his Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, and you are partakers of these promises, he says, make every effort. Don't put God on the back burner. Don't put God on the back burner. Make every effort to supplement or to add to your faith. You've got to start out with faith. If you don't have faith, none of these other things mean anything. I mean, you might as well just forget it. You have faith. He says, so supplement or add to your faith virtue and virtue. Uh, to virtue, add knowledge. And to knowledge, add self-control. To self-control, add steadfastness. To steadfastness, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly affection. And to brotherly, brotherly affection, love. Now, listen, he says, for if these qualities or these characters or these, the, these characteristics, if they are in you, these godly, this godly character, he says that if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they shall keep you, listen, if that list, and we're going to come back and cover it in just a moment, if you've got those things, they will keep you from becoming or, or being ineffective or unfruitful. 
And so what that tells me is that God does not want us to just waste our lives. That he has put in you his Holy Spirit and he is, he, you know, that, that, that makes you part of the A-team. That's what, you know, uh, Peter was saying. You have an, we have an equal standing with all of the other apostles and the disciples. We're on equal ground with them. He says, and so that if these qualities are in you and they are increasing, they will keep you from becoming ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whosoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted and he, that he's blind, having, for, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Going back to 2 Kings chapter 6, remember what the prophet said. God opened his eyes. All he could see, all that his servant could see was the mountains, the armies of the enemies that were surrounding them. That's all he could see. That's all he could see. And sometimes when we go through life and, and problems and circumstances in life, you know, uh, I mean, start to challenge us. It's all we can see. And sometimes we forget about our God who is so much greater than our problems or circumstances. Now, I know that some of you came here today thinking, God, fix my problem or fix my circumstance, fix the circumstance that I'm in today. And it's okay to pray that prayer. But I'm telling you, a better prayer might be for God to fix me. Is there something wrong in me? If there's a character flaw within me, God, I want you to fix that. He says that whosoever lacks these qualities uh, is so nearsighted that he's blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sin. Therefore, brethren, brothers, be all, more, all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. If you practice these qualities, you will never fail. For in this way, will be rich, for in this way there will be uh, richly provided for you an inheritance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus, Jesus Christ. You know, and as I think about that, you know, as we, as we live our life, and we're living our lives, and guys, I, I want to just tell you, it's a struggle for me too. I know we all struggle. Uh, you know, nobody's arrived. No one's arrived. And it's, we're all just kind of like going through life and, and facing the challenges of life and the battle of life on a daily basis. But he says that my divine nature has been given to you. My divine power has been given to you. You know, uh, look, I got to be real with you this morning, okay? You know, we live in a... Lord, do, you know, do, I, do I have to? Do I have to do this? Do I, do I, do I have to stop drinking? Do I, do, in order to get to heaven, do I, do I have to stop you know, looking at pornography? Do, do I have to stop cheating? Do I have to stop lying? Do I have to, you know what? If you come to Christ with a do I have to kind of heart, it tells me that your heart's not right. And the other question should be, Lord, I get to, not that I have to, but I get to stop drinking. I get to stop uh, looking at pornography. I get to stop lying. 
I get to stop cheating and stealing. And the reason I get to stop these things is because God has given me his Holy Spirit and he wants me to be like his son, Jesus. Is that making sense to you? So, you know, you can look at it from, you know, do I have to or I get to because of his divine nature. Um, you know, I, I was thinking about, uh, I wish football season would hurry up and get here. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, no, really, I was thinking about uh, Ricky Williams. Get, you guys, anybody to remember Wiki, Ricky Williams played for Miami, you know, years and years ago? Uh, he was Heisman Trophy winner, I believe, wasn't he? And, uh, and more recently, Johnny Manziel, Johnny Manziel. He plays for Cleveland, doesn't he? And so, I mean, he was Heisman Trophy winner too, wasn't he? Was he Heisman Trophy winner? Okay, I'm asking all the football guys who are not until you chest. All right, so look, these guys, these guys are great. I mean, they were, they were the best in their, in their year. They were Heisman Trophy winners. And Ricky Williams just decides, I mean, he's got, he goes from, you know, minimum wage to the NFL, and he's, he signs like multi-million dollar contract. And so did Johnny Manziel. Anybody remember what Manziel's contract was? Huh? 60 million? 60 million, okay. Anybody want to bid higher? <laughs> All right, see, I mean, just think of this. A college kid on minimum wage gets $60 million. He's got, and, and, and he does, he's not getting $60 million because he's a nobody. He's getting $60 million because he is great. But his first year, he's in rehab, just like Ricky Williams. Ricky Williams was great, great running back. But after a couple of years, the money went to his head. And you got all this greatness and all this talent just sitting on the bench or sitting on the beach in Jamaica or, you know, now sitting in a rehab center. All of this greatness. And I want to tell you that, that by his divine nature, that you are like a Manziel or Ricky Williams, because of his divine nature, you're not second class, you're not on the B team, you're on the A team. You're on the A team. You're on the A team. I'm telling you, you're on the A team because of his divine nature that is in you. And he's given you the power to do these things. He's given you the power to be great. All right, it's because of his divine nature. So I want to, I, I need to move on. All right, so he says to it, he said, you, you got to start out with faith. And he says, and then you need to add to it. You can't just stop with faith. And that's, you know, that, that's been my, my soapbox you know, that many people are John 3, 16 Christians that, you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And, and many of you have memorized that scripture and some of you have not gone beyond that scripture. That's it. It's just like I'm saved and that's it. I don't want to go to hell. I just, I, I came to Jesus so I, I wouldn't have to go to hell. Let me tell you what, if you came to Jesus just so you didn't have to go to hell, you came for the wrong reason. You came for the wrong reason because, see, when you come to Jesus, it's not that you 
you, you have to. Do I have to anymore? But I came to Jesus because I get to. Because, see, I see what my life is like. I see what my old life was like, and I didn't like it. And I came to Jesus, not so I just wouldn't have to go to hell. I came to Jesus so he could change my life. And I hope that's why you came to Jesus, too. I hope that's why you came to Jesus. Because he wants to change you, and he wants to change your life. And he says, here is a formula for doing that, that you come by faith. And he says that now that you have faith, he says now you need to add virtue. This idea of virtue has to do with a moral, ethical principle, being morally upright. Uh, Let me give you an example. I'm going to move through this quickly now. In Job chapter 1, it says, There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright, and one who feared God and turned away from, from evil. That's virtue. That's virtuous. That's being virtuous. He says, uh, you know, Jesus said to a group of men one day, a group of religious leaders, he says, you are of your father the devil, and you will do, uh, and your will is to do your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So Jesus says to, to these guys, you're of your father the devil. You, do, you act just like him. And so if we are Christians and God is our father, what he's saying here, add to your faith virtue that we should be acting like God. If we are God's children, we need to be acting like God. We should be the reflection of God. Amen? All right. So the second thing is, uh, he says add, or this is actually the third thing, but I've got it listed as number two. So we're going to call it the second thing. Um, so add to virtue knowledge, and that has to do with the study of the Word of God. Are you studying the Word of God, or is this all you're getting? Is it just a, a Sunday morning, you know, message, go home, you're inspired, you're pumped up, greatest message you've ever heard in your life, you know, uh, just kidding, just kidding, all right. <laughs> all right, but you, you know, you're stirred up, you're pumped up, you go home, and, and then it's just like your, your Bible is just kind of gathering dust on the shelf, all right? Um, but he says, uh, you know, add to virtue knowledge, add knowledge of the Word of God. Study to show yourself approved unto God. Study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. Number three, and to knowledge add self-control. Um, you know, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and forbearance and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. It, uh, it has the, uh, you know, that, that, that self-control, it has to do with, uh, you know, like, like, like sensual, you know, uh, sexual desires. Be, you know, be in control. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I discipline my body and keep it under control. Least, after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. He says, you know, I, because of this divine nature, you're able to do that. He's giving you the Holy Spirit so that you can choose 
you know, righteousness over evil or over sin because you have the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit has given you the power to keep yourself in self-control. And then he says, add to self-control steadfastness. He says, listen to what David said in Psalm 119. And he struggled with this issue too. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. And then he says, Created me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. It, it, and the whole, the, uh, uh, the whole thought behind that is just holding up under weight. You know, it's like holding a weight, holding a weight and, and just being determined, I'm going to hold it. I can hold it a little longer. Uh, when these things come against me, I can hold on a little longer because I have this Holy Spirit's power, this influence of God, this divine nature, I've got that in me, so it's not, I'm not holding on in my strength, I'm holding on in God's strength, I'm holding on under the weight of God's strength, you know, I, I, I can do it because God has given me the power, I can do all things through God who strengthens me, the word says, and in James chapter 1, uh, verse 2, it says, my brothers and sisters, consider it uh, nothing but joy when you fall into all sorts of trials. All sorts of trials. Now, that's not a refrigerator verse that we want to pin up. And none of us want to face trials. We, we just, you know, we just, you know, we, we'd rather have the smooth. We don't want the rough waters. We don't want the stormy seas in our life. But James says that when they do come, when all these trials come, count it joy because you know that the testing of your faith will produce endurance or perseverance, is what it says. Now, let me, just, let me just hypothetically put it to you this way. All right, suppose Jesus were to just stand right here before you this morning and say to you that for the next year, I'm just going to bless everything in your life. I'm going to bless everything in your life. I'm going to bless your finances. I'm going to triple your finances. I'm going to bring peace in your home. I'm going to give you your, your, your marriage is going to be better than ever. You're not going to have any problems with your children. Uh, you know, life is going to be good. That's option number one. Option number two, well, let me just include an option number one. But after he gives you all of that, he's saying, you're not going to be any closer to me. Now, option number two is I'm going to bring some trials into your life. I'm going to bring some circumstances and some hard times into your life. Uh, I'm going to have, bring some difficulties into your life, into your marriage, into your work, in your relationships. But through all of that, you're going to grow a lot closer to me. Now think about it. I know most of you are already on option one. Three times the salary, okay. But really, I mean, think about it. The heart of God is to change you. And sometimes in changing your character, he's got to change your circumstances. You understand what I'm saying? That he is more interested in your character than he is your comfort. 
okay? And that's how he does it. There's just, there's no way out. I remember a time in my life where, some of you have heard me say this before, uh, life was hard and getting harder by the day. In every area of my life, um, in every area, it was just hard and getting harder. And I remember having one of those fist pounding the steering wheel moments with God. Say, God, you got to get this off of me. Get this off of me. I cannot take this anymore. And you know what the Lord said? I mean, just immediately. And this doesn't happen a lot to me. But immediately the Holy Spirit said to me, said, Ron, I can, I'll do it if you want me to. I will do it. I'll lift this off of you right now. But at some point in, in your life, in the future, you're going to have to go through this again. And you can either start all over from the very beginning and go through this, everything that you've been through again, or you can let me just finish it right now. And I said, Lord, what thou doest, do quickly. <laughs> Let's get this thing over with. Let's get it over with. You know, I mean, if you're trying to, to show me something, if you're trying to, you know, bring some sh- uh, shape or change in my life, just go ahead and do it. And when we get to that place, I believe that God's saying, I will. I'll do it. I'll get you through it, and you'll be better for it. So the next time you're facing a great trial, uh, you know, the question may be, what are you trying to show me, Lord, instead of why am I going through this? I've got a lovely little photo I'd like to show you. I think that's coming up next. There we go. Now, I know everybody was happy with, everybody happy with the rain this week? How many of you were happy with the rain? Okay, all right. Everybody was happy with the rain. There were some people that were not real happy with it. This is uh, Jason's house right here. And uh, he was filling up, uh, I think he filled up seven or eight 13-gallon buckets of water. Is, Is that the second, first floor or the second floor? A second floor, okay. But it was coming through the second floor and then coming down through the first floor. And by the time it was all over, uh, there were five or six guys there with vacuums, and he had a couple of inches of water. And uh, you know you know how this happened? And, I, I'm, you know, I, of course, I gave him a hard time about it and <laughs> tried to test his faith and the trial that he's going through. It's, it's always easy to rejoice in somebody else's trial, isn't it? And so, uh, but... Uh, uh, no, honestly, I, he had all my sympathy because, uh, you know, the only time that we don't want rain is when we have a, a leak like this in our, in our house. But uh, this, this could have been prevented. About uh, almost a year ago, Jason called his landlord and said, I've got a small leak in my roof. And the landlord did nothing for two months and three months and four months. And things just got worse and worse and worse, and just a a little drop turned into this. And that's the way that sin is in our life, just a little bit of sin. And let me tell you guys, you know, uh, that the little, I mean, the little drop, if had they fixed it in the beginning, um, you know, probably would have taken a couple of hundred dollars, maybe rook patch, 
but they ended up doing mold uh, remediation, uh, taking out insulation, uh, sheetrock, a new roof, uh, you know, and that's the way our lives can get. If we, if we allow sin to stay in our lives, in our lives, you know, that, that's exactly what happens. It just, you know, it just kind of floods. It comes in like a flood. Okay? So, um, add, uh, you know, think, think again about the options, you know, option one or two. Do you want to grow closer to the Lord, and are you willing to grow, grow closer to the Lord if it requires trials in your life, if you want to get closer? Ask yourself that question. I'm praying that you do. I'm not, I'm not praying that you go through trials or difficult times. I'm just praying that you get closer to the Lord. And he said, add to steadfastness goodness. First uh, Timothy 6, just got a couple more of these. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and have pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, man of God, Paul writing to Timothy, flee from all of this, pursue righteousness, godless, godliness, faith, love, endurance, gentleness, and fight the good fight uh, of faith. He says... Uh, Pursue, he said, I want you to flee from all of these things and pursue righteousness and godliness and faith and love and endurance. And so, you know, what, and just and each of you have to answer this differently, but what are you pursuing right now? I mean, what, what are you following hard after? You know, there's so many things that in life that are important. Like school is important. Education is important. All of us have to have a job. We've got to eat. We've got to clothe ourselves. You know, you know, all of that's important. But what is most important in your life? You know, raising your children, getting your children to a good school, to the best school. I mean, some people will even move to another side of town so that their kids can, you know, uh, get into a better school. But what, what is important? I mean, what, you know, is really pressing down on you right now? I mean, what, what's you know, just like number one, the number one priority in your life? Let me just tell you that if, you know, uh, like I said, all of these other things are important, but we've got to pursue God. You've got to pursue God with all of your heart and with all your mind, with all your strength and with all your soul. Number six, add to godliness brotherly affection. And I have to say one thing about the light, that when visitors come here, that's the one thing that they tell me. The number one thing they tell me that they had been to many churches before, but they feel like when they are greeted or are met by someone here at the light, that it's genuine. It's not made up. It's not something that we have to do because this is what churches do. He says, you know, add to your godliness brotherly love or brother, brotherly love. It means it's uh, Philadelphia. Uh, it's that, that just kind of like brotherly love. I just want to embrace you and love you and help you. Uh, in James chapter 2, verse 15, it says, If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacks daily food, and one of you say to them, Go in peace and keep warm and eat well, but you don't give them what the body needs, uh, what good is it? So also faith, if it does not have works, is dead being by itself. You know, just yesterday, many of you responded. Uh, the, uh, we served the homeless yesterday. Where are homeless volunteers? Would you guys just stand up just a moment so we could recognize you? 
All right. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank all of you for, you know, your help. Um, Steve called earlier in the week, said that he was looking for volunteers. By, by the way, if you're, you're not serving God in any capacity, I mean, this is a no-brainer. I mean, you just come and cook and go and, you know, feed people, and, and it blesses God's heart. It will bless you. I guarantee you that the people that went and served yesterday were more blessed than the people that received what they were bringing. It's just the way that it works. God's Word says it's more blessed to, uh, to give than to receive. And uh, you just receive that. Oh, it's like, God, man, it's like even when you don't want to go and you go, it's like, oh, God, that was so good. That was so good. So, and finally, he says, add to brotherly affection love. Um, uh, and this is that agape love, that, that love that we have for God. Out of Matthew 22, it says, Teacher, which commandment of the law is the greatest? And Jesus said to him, To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second commandment is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So, again, I want you to just, for a moment, just close your eyes. And at the same time, I'd like our prayer ministers to come up front and on the side, if you would, please. And uh, I'm going give to give you an opportunity to come and pray. If you, uh, if you feel like your life is all tra off track, if the control center has been set up, which is the Word of God, and you sense that you are way off point and you need to recalculate your GPS and get back on track with God, now, this is the time to do it. This is the time to do it. Please, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, is there anyone here that wants to receive Jesus this morning? You want him to be your Lord and Savior that you have taken charge of your life and you're way off course. You recognize it today that your life is way off course and you want to give your life to him today. I want you to raise your hand and I want you to raise it up high. Raise it up high. Okay. And for those of you that feel like you've put God on the back burner, and you feel like your life is off course right now because you've done that. And there was a closeness that you once had with God that you don't have right now. And you will return, as David said, to the joy of your salvation. If that's you I'm speaking to, I want you to raise your hand. Raise it up. Raise it up. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you. All right, so uh, you can put your hands down now. Um, so I, I want to pray for you, and uh, I think we have some music for our prayer time. And I want to just remind you again of Elisha's prayer, Lord open his eyes that he can see. And then I'll remind you from Peter again, if these qualities that we just read 
if these qualities are in you and they are increasing, they will keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful. They will keep you from being nearsighted and blind. So, Father, I pray that you would open our eyes, help us to see, Lord, help us to see where we are in line with your word. We want to be effective. We want to be fruit-producing Christians. Lord, we don't want to be blind. We want the power of your Holy Spirit working in our lives. We want that divine nature, Father, that you promise us, these precious promises. Father, we would cling to these precious promises this morning that you would help us to add to our faith virtue and knowledge and steadfastness and all of these things that we've spoke about, brotherly love and, and pure love, that agape love. Help us to add all of these things to our walk with you. Don't let us just stop at faith, but Lord, cause us to grow now. Cause your people to grow now. In Jesus' name I ask this. God's people said, amen.